0: Hello, welcome to Dust Busters, your inseparable companion podcast to His Dark Materials. I'm Jake Cunningham, and for years these books have been my very own demon.
1: And I'm Louisa Maycock, and Jake and I have been together for almost a decade, and I have never read a single one of these books.
0: Now Penguin Random House, who published the His Dark Materials books, kindly support this podcast. If you like the show and want to skip forward to more of Lyra's world, then the Book of Dust, The Secret Commonwealth, which is set after everything that happens in his dark materials, is out now in hardback, ebook, and audiobook, which is read by Michael Sheen. And for this episode, uh, we unfortunately had a little bit of technical complications with our microphones, and really that was down to the fact I was coming off of a very, very long flight and the logistics of doing the podcast got away from me and so it's not recorded to our usual standard. For I'm which...
1: sure no one minds.
0: Well I'm sure they will. <laughs> <laughs> but well I'll...
1: they'll tell us on Twitter if they do.
0: Uh, but I want to apologize for that but still hope you stick with the show and enjoy it. This week, I have just come off of a 16 and a half hour flight from Tokyo, so when one Jake isn't performing at top capacity, (laughs) the only solution is to get in another. This week we welcome the digital culture reporter for The Independent, Jacob Stalworthy.
2: Hello. Hello. Hello, how are you doing? (laughs) Good. It's lovely to have you with us. Oh God, I've been waiting, waiting, waiting patiently, here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me.
0: Well, it's it's lovely to have you with us. and it's not the only reason that I've invited you on uh, You're the perfect addition to this episode Because, uh, Jacob, do you know what this episode was called? What is it called? It's called The Lost Boy
2: No way <laughs> No way I like all, all, all the people listening now going to be like, why is he so surprised by this? Yes Yeah. Um,
0: just because it's such a good name It's a great name. title Yeah, yeah. wow um,
2: No, do you want to tell us exactly why that's quite is it, is, it, is it really cool though? It is, yeah Wow, this is good planning from you. Um, so I uh, am a bit of a loser for the TV show Lost, and I do a podcast uh, with my friend Jack Shepherd, who shares the name of the lead character. Uh, it's a rewatch podcast. I've seen it eight times; <laughs> he's seen it once, so it's like watching it um, through his eyes. And we're called the Lost Boys. <laughs> so you've got me. <laughs> this J- is great.
1: Did you plan this from the yeah. beginning? Of course. Wow.
2: No way. Um,
0: and it's not the only thing you're watching at the at the moment. You are, of course, no. watching. Watchmen. Watch, we,
2: we are we are watching Watchmen and uh yeah, Lost Boys on a bit of a hiatus because of it. Um but yeah, when a new Damon Lindelof show starts, you've gotta you've gotta follow them, then not you? You've gotta do yeah. it.
0: And despite the fact that Damon Lindelof, the writer of Watchmen and Writer on the Lost, is is not involved in this show. Yeah. You're also watching this one as well. I've also watching this one,
2: and it was inspired by your good self, I've gotta say, because you mentioned you were gonna do this podcast. Um and you were keen to get me on, and now I know why. <laughs> uh, but I would have been watching anyway because uh, my girlfriend is a big, big fan of of Portman. Yes. Yeah.
0: Uh, so we ask whenever anyone joins us what their relationship is to the, the text to these stories before heading into the series. And a pattern that I'm noticing is particularly within couples uh, who may consider one or one or the other each other's demon also means that the other one doesn't read the books. Mm. So in the couples that we've had on the show, we've had one diehard fan and then one who doesn't like it at all. And that goes to you and I, Louis, as well. Um, So, Jacob, you know nothing of this story.
2: I have not read a single word of Pullman, um, which is probably sacrilege, and it's actually something I'm considering uh, rectifying off the back of this show. Mm. I had no idea what this was about. What was His Dark Materials in your head? His Art Materials was a book series that kind of predated Harry Potter um, and that they made a film of starring Nicole Kidman that everyone hated. Mm. That was literally all it was. Um, oh, and I had a big armoured bear. I knew that. <laughs> I knew that. Um, so yeah, when, when the trailer first um, came out and um, my girlfriend was very excited and I had no idea she she liked Pullman, I was, um, I was intrigued. She's like, I think they're finally going to get it right. I'm Like, oh, wow, this is really big for you. <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, Louis
0: just, like, watching over me every week as I, like, glance over her, waiting for some, re- like, revelatory reaction to something huge that's happened on the screen. Yeah. And I always have to... I forget every time that, oh, yeah, of course, no one knows that that's a huge thing. To yeah. But right. so yeah. I look at
1: you. I often look over to you. I want some sort of, I don't know, comfort in what I'm seeing. And you're just locked in.
0: Mm. Wrapped, yeah. Oh, testament to the show at some point. Mm. Then, uh, if I am so lost in it, um, but yeah, it, you, you are a lost boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm a lost boy. Um, but uh, actually, yeah, I'm, I'm a lost fan as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that that was your preconceptions before this series started, mm-hmm. and uh, we're we're over the halfway point now. Mm. Um, what are your reactions so far?
2: I am actually very surprised by how much i'm loving it um i i mean when jack thorne's writing you you kind of expect the quality to be high but i really am invested in this universe and i kind of was instantly Mm -hmm. i was grabbed um i've not really watched something um that's on like bbc on a sunday night in so long that i've actually been like really really excited for um when it's like you know sunday morning i'm like oh yeah tonight's of star materials night um i think they've done a really good job with it um, right down from the, to the writing to the casting and just uh, the pacing mm-hmm. um, yeah Fair. which is
0: interesting you say that because for me that has been such a surprise at how slow it is compared oh. to something like the film which is trying to get through all of Northern Lights in one go and you know, like, get it in, in 120 or however long it was um, there is they are huge texts and the fact that one of the books is really getting 8 hours spent on it uh is is great um mm. if only it could be longer yeah uh you could you could spend twenty hours on each series i'm sure
1: although but, although this isn't the show isn't following chronologically what happens in the book is it
0: no, no it's not um and that's yeah uh that's a great segue into this episode Louis uh because there is a huge <laughs> crossover from one of the books, perhaps the biggest crossover we've had so far um so yeah, I think it's time to move on to. Series 1, episode 5. Jacob, what's it called?
2: Lost Boy. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it.
0: So, last week was pretty key because we met two pivotal characters, two characters that people who might only know posters of this series or might remember just single moments from the Golden Compass film... They remember there's a cowboy and they remember that there's a polar bear. And that's who we met last week. That's Yorick Burnison, the bear, and Lee Scoresby, the aeronaut. Um, Bit weird that Jack Thorne has written two aeronauts this year. Actually, great point. Yeah,
2: (laughs) yeah, he went aeronaut mad, didn't
0: he? He's
1: having an aeronaut moment.
2: (laughs)
0: Aeronaut's so hot right now. (laughs) Um, So Lyra and the Egyptians uh, went to Trolleson this a kind of Arctic port town, met these two characters, managed to get them to join their expedition and have head further north towards Bolvangar, which is the location uh, of where the general Oblation would have been capturing and keeping children. And alongside that, we also have this ongoing plot of Lord Boreal, who is the chap who's flipping between our world and Lyra's world on the hunt for this chap called John Parry. And that's where we left it. And on this episode, we're following Lyra as she's told by her alethiometer, her truth-telling device about a ghost in a nearby town and whether or not she can divert from the route and go and see what's happening with that. And then Lord Boreal, again, on this side quest of his, we're getting a little bit more information about just how our world interacts with Lyra's and really one of the key members of it is Will. Mm. Will Parry. Will. (gasps) Out of nowhere. Will. Yes. Um, Will Parry. (laughs) The man himself. Um, And this is one of those moments where I was kind of looking over, waiting for someone who was was a book reader to kind of look me in the eye and shake me.
1: You didn't have that, it was just me. Um, (laughs) My cold, like, empty stare. (laughs) Um,
0: Yes, because Will is not introduced until The Subtle Knife. Okay. The second book. Uh, Northern Lights is almost entirely from Lyra's perspective. It's really her story, and you so connect with her because you spend so much time with her. And then when I was reading these books, I was lucky enough to have all three of them there so I could just plow on through them. So I finished Northern Lights. I'd be like, wow, what? Yeah. Got to see where this carries on. And then, like, chapter one, Will. Like, who's Will? I, I don't care. Um, and... I thought, well, that's going to be series two of Dark Materials, is where we introduce Well, It's not! We introduced him in episode five, um, and obviously this makes sense, because the introduction of the portals between worlds was introduced in episode two, mm-hmm. um, and Lord Bo- we've really been spending a lot of time with Lord Boreal, and jumping between these worlds, and now we actually have kind of a character from our world to really latch onto a perspective, a new one, mm-hmm. that's Comparable to Lyra's, where a, a young boy who's caring for his mum who suffers from mental illness whilst also dealing with school and boxing as well. Mm. Now, to me, obviously, once I'm past the shock, <laughs> uh, this is a lot to take in. Mm.
2: Um, perhaps not the same for you guys because it is just a boy going to it's school and going out to interesting months. about it, I'm seeing your excitement now. You know, we we are losing things not being invested in the text. Mm. I guess, yeah. You know, and it's yeah. I'm I'm sad I didn't have that excitement. I was spared it. Well, but I think it's a,
0: maybe a smart move from the scriptwriters because if you did start series two with right, we're bouncing between portals between worlds, mm. people are going to question what show they're watching. True, and they have just been gradually building to it. And if we just so, we spend one episode with a bit of time with Will, just seeing his day-to-day, this is not really hugely linked to Lyra's world just yet, or he doesn't know that yet. Mm. Um, We're just getting a sense of him as a character, really. Um, And what is that character, Louie? Your thoughts on Will?
1: I think I wrote down, Will, what do we learn about him? So I wrote down, he's an outcast, Yeah, he's a bit of a loner, he's sensitive... Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's caring for his mother, which puts him in a sort of position of responsibility that you don't usually has have as a. How old's he supposed to be?
0: Well, he's similar to Lyra. Yeah, so he's slightly older. a little bit
1: older, fourteen-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I, like the idea that we're going to see them sort of run parallel. Mm.
0: Um, yeah. Well, when we were, when the opening titles came yes. up this week, you pointed something out to me, Lou.
1: Yeah, there's Lyra's silhouette and then there's another silhouette of a boy. Oh, and it's sort of um They're walking parallel to each other. Yeah, on some stairs. Ah, in a sort of square. Extremely
2: yeah. observant. Yes. Yeah.
1: Well I like how every week I'm picking out extra elements from the titles and seeing how they relate to what actually I'm seeing in the show.
0: Yeah, I mean if for really a deep cut bonus episode of this show I could do just go through every frame of the opening title to tell you what each thing ties to. Do it, i say. Yeah. Um <laughs> Well, will we we learn? We may get a bit more of this in later episodes. I'm not sure, um, but yeah, he's been caring for his mum for a long time mm-hmm. because uh, his dad is John Parry, a man who we have actually seen before yeah. in the show, albeit by a photo. Uh, he's got a familiar face. Yeah, yeah, indeed he has. He shows up everywhere these days, yeah. John Parry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's Andrew Scott. I'm not sure whether we'll see him in this series. And they like,
1: can't just give us a photo of Andrew Scott and then just. <laughs> well, he, he, <laughs> not...
0: His casting was announced fairly late, okay. so it may well be that like the photo inserts is
1: or maybe there'll be a lot of people very angry, myself yeah. included, if we don't get more of him.
0: We we this will down the line. I'm sure. And because, I'm impatient. You know, for you know, for we him don't cast <laughs> just to do one photo insert.
2: <laughs> Streets full of Andrew Scott fans <laughs>
1: <laughs> rioting.
0: Yeah, BBC. Um, and well, what we learn about him is that he, as we know, was in the military and then went on an expedition and disappeared. And we get a bit more of that here. He was heading to Alaska and then just vanished into thin air. And because of that, Will, who didn't want to kind of alert authorities or have people involved that won't see his mum for who he sees in her, the the real person, Mm -hmm. um, He very much thinks that people will will take her away and um, ruin her because of her illness. And he's like a really smart kid. Like he's, it's referenced in the book that when he's kind of seven, he's in a supermarket with his mum, and they're playing a game where she puts things in the trolley exactly at moments where no one is looking, and then they get to the till and then she gets worried that people are going to steal her money from her card and then they rush to go and put everything back on the shelves and that's oh. the moment where he thinks something's not right. off and yeah. then there are yeah. hints at it in here we see uh, obsessive compulsive disorder yeah. um, the very first time that she's introduced you see her lock the door twice um, and then later you can see how severe it is when she visits Will at school, and she's counting bricks along yeah. the way, and panels. And, yeah, it's quite heavy stuff. It is. And so and if we are seeing him at 14, he's been doing this for six, seven years. Mm. And it's in these more lucid moments when she's not as kind of under the cosh of the illness. That's where he learnt how to cook and sew and things like that. So he'd take those moments when she was more
1: alert to yeah. learn those things. So that he could be a better. Carer. Can make a great omelet. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think omelet. I was making omelets like that at that age.
2: I was. I was barely doing it f- f- a year ago. <laughs> I'm There's <joking. laughs> a funny, actually, uh, a bit of a uh, contrast with uh, is it Tony Costa? Mm. when uh, his mum is like, take over from the, the cooking, and then he's like, oh, burn it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah, so you need to do what Will's doing, man. Yeah. Need to Will yeah. learn was some skills. Yeah, um,
0: and he's not just smart he's he's strong we see him boxing um it's re- it's referenced in the book that he he is quite physically strong because he was defending his mum at school when he was bullied about her condition um and it was it was great to see him in that moment and to kind of just get a sense of a threat that he yeah. he could be um, And it's the second in our Fleabag crossovers. Mm -hmm. Because... Love to see it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Who's the boxing teacher, Leahy? It's
1: the hot misogynist.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's Ray Fearon, who, although that is obviously a great crossover for Fleabag fans, for me it was a brilliant crossover for Dark Materials fans. Because uh, we've spoken about the various adaptations that Dark Materials has had, and... For the radio adaptation 15 years ago, mm. Ray Fearham was the narrator. No.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's really cool.
0: And uh, he was also a character called Balfamos, who you have not met and may not meet no, for right, a while, yeah. but no. who knows anymore? <laughs> he could be popping up in the next episode. Um, but yeah, great to see a little little self-reference there. That is nice. Yeah. yeah. So we get all of this information about Will, about his mum, and that's kind of very much their world and how their relationship works, but obviously there is interaction from Lyra's world. And it's that dastardly man. Oh yes. Lord Boreal. He's interfering. With.
1: He's very busy, isn't he? He's <laughs> like here and there, everywhere. It's like,
0: dude, just just have a cup of tea. Sit you know, down. Just chill. Have yeah. some
1: more chips. Yeah. That was a great <laughs>
0: scene. Yeah. Um so yeah, Lord Boreal is spying on um Will's family. And he's, he's trying to pull some tricks on them as well. He tells uh, Will's mum Elaine that he was an army buddy of John Parry. Her husband. Yeah. And this is kind of what sets her off kind of um, spiralling about mm. the situation that they're in. And Will discovers through all of this that she has hidden a green folder underneath a sewing machine in a cupboard. Mm. And... Who knows
2: what might be in there? It's so funny when she puts it back. I mean, if that was me, I literally would just wait for us to look the room and just go That's what
1: in. I said to Jake. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, put it in a different hiding place. But yeah. I think she she, she I think she wants him to read them.
2: That was my next thought. Yeah. To you reckon?
1: And it's a sort of going backwards and forwards because he could, yeah, just go straight in. And then when he goes to actually read them, she comes in and she says, you can, yeah, you should read them. And then he doesn't.
2: Mm. Yeah. What, do you,
0: what I, do you think is in there?
2: Um So we're told that it's letters, right? We,
1: yeah. yeah, they're letters
2: I'm assuming from John explaining his connection to this other world and maybe like He's some
1: he's to do with he's doing something with dust, isn't he? Is he? he must be. <laughs>
0: well place. as he can
1: he can go between worlds.
0: Well can he go between worlds? He's he's gone into one. I think between implies going but back and forth.
1: Back. Oh you no. think he's lost and he can't come back? Maybe he's the lost boy. Oh! Oh my God! This is blowing my mind. Have I just have I just guessed? <laughs> that, you can't tell me.
2: Well, it's
0: a good reason to call the episode that. Yeah. Uh, to give it a nice little double meaning. Um, yeah, he could be the lost boy. Um, or is will the lost boy mentally?
2: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> or is part of Quorum's uh, dead son oh, the lost boy? Oh no. God, there's Ooh. few lost boys. Many so. lost boys.
0: Yeah. Gosh. Um, we need well, to find these boys we need to find the boys uh i mean roger he's the ultimate lost boy yeah
1: where is he i'm really struggling without yeah. roger
0: um, so your company hero <laughs> many lost boys um but on john parry uh big bit of info at the end through lord boreal and lord boreal's hacker man friend <laughs> oh, <laughs> who apparently can just do everything with a computer um, i need him yeah. <laughs> He'd be very useful but he's he's been tracking uh, bank transfers, and despite the fact that John Parry left this world 13, 14 years ago, there are still uh, bits of money going into the family account. So, uh, yeah, that he was planning long-term support for the family before he went off on this journey, so... Had he, did he know
2: what he was getting into? It's an interesting point, and it's it's definitely a carrot being dangled in front of us about mm. a big reveal that we we'll hopefully find out next week. Um, but I'm still I'm just now thinking about what I think Louise has sussed out, and I'm thinking maybe he knew he was going to go somewhere and not be able to come back. Come
1: back,
0: yeah. And I'm curious with the Will stuff in this episode. Does it get you excited?
1: Yes, does sure. It? Well, yeah. I think it from the. S- a bit of narration at the start
0: yeah i'm glad you mentioned that there yeah. was some weird floating narration yeah which we haven't had no
1: really. i wasn't sure how i felt
0: mm. and it mentioned about that, that a, there was a boy whose fate is bound
2: with hers yeah hers being lyra if i'm honest i it took me a while mm. um, for those scenes but only because i had I was feeling very comfortable and familiar with Lyra Mm -hmm. and those characters that when it, and and that world, I guess, um, that when we go to um, the other world and we are introduced to two completely new people, um, it was like being dunked in, you know, a pool of of unfamiliarity. Um, But then as it went on, I was like more engrossed and I thought the acting... Both of them were terrific.
0: I think Will's really good, really yeah. great. Yeah, um, this
2: show actually, the young cast are well, very, brilliant. Very yeah. yeah, and I find it—I know it's—you cr- should really say this—but child actors, I find somewhat annoying.
1: Yeah. yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. Am- Amir Wilson who plays well. Um, uh, Amir
2: Wilson, he was great,
0: yeah. really good. Yeah. Well, so I got in a way, you've had it. exactly the the subtle life experience of reading the book <laughs> of like getting so comfortable yeah. in the world, and then you are thrown out
1: of it yeah um, I think it just throws so many questions at me mm. like what is their connection are they related I think from bits I've heard since the newer books were released they are going to Lyra and Will are going to meet and they're going to become quite friendly
2: mm. that's an exciting thought yeah. and, and if that is to happen then yeah I would like to see more Will just so I can get excited yeah. for like potential interaction
1: yeah
0: and I think they're doing a really good job kind of giving us parallels between them Um, like we see Will hunting for this folder getting these secret items Mm. which is very Lyra imagine Lyra in Mrs Coulter's apartment scuttling through the vents to get the plans for the station we're seeing parallel imagery between them but as their personalities Lyra is quite outspoken relatively Mm. loud Um, and you look at Will quiet
1: reserved Quite an so, in- internal.
0: Yeah, yeah. And in a way, that could be a really good mix to have next to each other.
1: Also, this is probably me just making something out of nothing. But is that <laughs> is the house cat his demon?
0: Mm, no, Moxie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Barbara Barbara. Moxie is. An important cat, but uh, we, we live in a world where there are no demons. Our demons are inside us, as the book would say.
2: Okay. No, but I don't
1: trust anything. <laughs> I don't trust anything you'll tell me anymore.
2: It's <laughs> um, funny that you said good, like, the, the whole no demon thing and the, the, just the absence of the fantastical in that world. Yeah. also puts Will on the back foot a bit for... Well, it did for me a little bit. It was like, I oh, can't. Okay, let's go back to the other world because it's more fun. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, so Apart like,
1: from the amazing house that they lived in. beautiful house. Oh, we were into the house. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: okay, so yeah, a lot happening in our world uh, for a change. Very mm. exciting. Um, but we should bounce back to Lyra's world where perhaps there's even more happening. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very busy episode and a very bleak episode. Very bleak. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um,
1: I think it's... It's the darkest so far.
0: Yeah. Um, it's, so we're, we're starting right, we are further up north. We start with these drone shots over snowscapes. Yeah. Um, lovely white peaks. Louis, we were baking before this episode. You mm-hmm. said, that's what my glaze was meant to look
2: like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can I yeah. confirm the baking was a success? Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> what was this week's recipe?
1: It was a spiced pumpkin loaf with a maple glaze. Yes, and it, was it was very good. good yeah. yeah, it's been stopped. Yeah.
0: Um, so Lyra and the Egyptians, Lee and York, they're all heading north across the tundra. Lyra reads the alethiometer, the truth-telling device. It tells her that they need to divert from the route and go and find a ghost in a village near them. Uh, Jake, we had some thoughts about the alethiometer.
2: So the alethiometer just—it's—it's it's this obviously such a big thing for fans of books
1: like um, people have tattoos of it on themselves yeah yeah
2: it's such a huge thing and for me it's just like this thing that is there having having not read uh, the, the books that it's just like such a great ace to play
1: <laughs> it's a bit convenient isn't it, it, it that she it can is. oh she can do it without learning any of the books and
0: well, she just knows think, why do you think
1: that might be? Because she's special chosen one. Do you
0: think that is? Or yeah. do you think there could be something else at play that is to do with when you're young? Wait, what?
1: Oh, this is like when you're at school and <laughs> your, te- your teacher asks <laughs> you something, something. And they're trying to coax the answer out, but no.
2: Okay, well, maybe well, well, relating change- to demons? Well,
1: we'll she's to- changing... Well, there's
0: <laughs> lots of ponder in here. Maybe maybe the, I'll read some quotes in the, from the final scene in a bit. Oh, and, okay. Maybe you'll piece some stuff together. Okay. <laughs> maybe you will as well, listeners. Um, <laughs> um, but we, we start, before they divert to the village, um, there's some great interactions. We see a lot more of Lyra's personality coming through. She's really funny. She's quite spiky in conversation mm-hmm. when she needs to be. Um, Louis, we said in our last episode with Guy Lodge that we weren't big fans of... Lin-Manuel Miranda's Lee Scoresby and her first interaction with Lee in this episode Lyra says you're not an easy man to like <laughs> <laughs>
2: <sighs> It's quite true isn't it real, real talk yeah
1: although this week he sort of slotted into the background a bit more
2: yeah um what were your thoughts last week on the introduction of Lin by the way well what was quite funny about that is the the trailers like kind of positioned him as this like huge character that I thought was going to be there from the beginning. Yeah. So that when he wasn't, um, I kind of forgot he was going to show up. And then when he did, he kind of came in like a wrecking ball. Um, and I am not the biggest Lin-Manuel Miranda fan as it is.
1: Sorry, <laughs> I had an image of of him like Miley Cyrus. The... <laughs> <laughs>
2: that to happen. Um, oh, But gosh. I, um, yeah, like I didn't love the performance last week. Didn't love the character. This week, he didn't have as much to do and he dialed it back a bit, so I yeah. could take him a bit more.
0: I think last week he came in with a lot of bravado, a lot of confidence, and by the end of the episode, he's put in his place by Lyra, a 12-year-old girl. Yeah. Um, and this episode, we see that he's come to respect her treat her as a real person, as another adult.
1: And they um, seem to be quite, almost quite affectionate with each other now.
0: Yes, um, which I think...
1: It's bit, a bit soon. fast.
2: Yeah. Do you think really? Yeah. Okay. But how
1: how long is actually this period between last week's episode and like they could yeah. have been on the road for two weeks? It could be, but
0: yeah. the fact that we haven't seen that I don't think forgives like, exactly, yeah. the, mm-hmm. um sentiment. I think that they have become best pals very quickly, like mm-hmm. sleeping in the same tent, like yeah. wrapping his arm around her, giving yeah. her bad news, um, considering last week they were sparring. Um, but I think the Yor- having Yorick there, the polar bear, he is such a threat um, and clearly has past banter with Lee as well that he's really able to kind of throw his metaphorical weight around mm, as well. Agreed. Uh, and I think that has helped in mellowing Lee out. Um, but we also see Lyra's interactions with Fardacorum. Uh, those two on screen gradually becoming my favourite pair. Mm. I think Fardacorum and Will certainly have the similar personality traits they do they're they're quiet when they need to be they're strong willed but they clearly have intense emotion about yeah. them as well mm-hmm. um and there is a really really great little character beat from uh, Daphne Keane as Lyra when she's already talking as she walks up to Father Corum and he says hello <laughs> and she's like like offhand he like yes hello uh, <laughs> uh, but very funny and I think yeah it's really important that you maintain that humour particularly for this episode because you do get these reminders throughout about the innocence and sweetness of these children really and that is to both balance the dread that Mm. we will encounter through this episode the fear the bleakness of it um but not just to balance it but to ultimately make it worse yeah you need
1: to you need the balance and then when it gets dark it will be even darker because Mm. we've had the light as well
0: i think Mm. um so going back to father Corum. We see him interacting with Seraphina. It's my favourite moment. Yeah. So, far. so she's our first witch that we've seen. Luke, this was so. Why you love this, this
1: was so exciting. I think I almost punched the air when she, because I was just excited to see how they would. Obviously, I haven't read the book, so I don't have any preconceived images of what the witch is like. So to see her just sort of float in, almost like Death Eater like. <laughs> yeah. Um was really exciting. Yeah, it's a and, really interesting yeah.
0: movement because mm-hmm. it's certainly not our standard witch. Like, there was no like broomstick. A,
1: you
2: know, yeah. No broomstick. No, no broomstick. No, 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 no classic. This is no classic witch.
1: No, and she... Obviously, witches don't age in the classic sense. I think she says she's 300 years old. Mm-hmm.
0: Looks good for it. Yep, great. Looks, looks great good for it. <laughs> yeah. uh, That's Ruta Gedman's house. She, and she's got... Or well, you said they were tattoos. I thought they oh, yeah. were like veins yeah. that kind of looked like trees. Tree, like tree out. roots. Um, mm. But a great look. Very cool. Kind of um, a bit Lisbeth Salander. Yes. From Dragon
2: Tattoo. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the there heck? is that vibe, isn't there? Um, and, the, and the scene is just quite dark in general. Mm. So I was like just peering because I wanted to see more. I wanted to... I was in- interested just to see what this mystical being was.
0: Yeah. And of course, uh, as established... Previously in the show, Father Coram and Seraphina had a relationship. They had a son, um, and so this is this is a really intense scene because, of course, Father Coram is on this journey and is called for the Witch's help to go and get children back. Mm. So this is a very charged conversation, and we've mentioned before how good we think James Cosmo is, mm. and here he's like kind of pushed the envelope even further.
2: Absolutely. Without, without it seeming like, you know, when you get a British actor who comes in, just absolutely does the thespian thing. Mm. You're like, oh, it's a bit it. much So yeah. He just doesn't, does it? He's, no. he's on Right. Just gets him right.
0: Well, and I think, and there's a total belief in the material. Like, I think a lot of the time, like maybe in a show like Game of Thrones, like people will come into the role and you can feel them knowing it's a fantasy in a Mm -hmm. way like they deliver the silly words and it feels like someone delivering silly words Mm -hmm. but he has to talk some that will be nonsense but he delivers it so honestly and so intensely Mm -hmm. that you really feel this relationship Um,
1: i feel like he really the character wears his heart on his sleeve
2: yeah but (sighs) i Oh, I like as well, like, it's from the first episode when he is kind of presented to us. He's not presented to us as, as in, like you tell me, if you agree, I think, having not read the books. Not as like one of the main characters, but maybe yeah. some guy who's going to come in and out of it. Yeah. But he has been so integral to the plot.
1: He's a main player.
2: and yeah. it, it, And it just feels so kind of. I just feel so invested in his character yeah. probably more than any other
1: more than Lyra's yeah, I mean Lyra, yeah, yeah. Lyra's alright Lyra's like, really
0: yeah, yeah, the she's for the ride isn't yeah. she <laughs> when's the Father Coram
2: spin off yeah.
1: of I'd rather see him ride your wrecking <laughs> <laughs> that would be more of an epic image or him
2: on the wrecking ball <laughs> yeah. oh
1: my gosh but
0: I think that's a, I think that's something that the show has really successfully done is elevate these supporting characters um, oh yeah that's also true of John Farr, of Marcos, that really the Egyptian community as a whole Mm. are given a lot more time and a lot more personality um, and a sense of community within their culture.
1: I just Um, feel like every week you get more of a feeling of what the Egyptians are and this week I really felt like they were sort of swelling their energy and I just thought they were getting so cool.
0: Yeah, they really are. I yeah. Agree with you, yeah. Yeah. Um, so naturally, Lyra decides to leave them. Was <laughs> um, Enough of these.
1: Well, it's like in a horror film when there's you know an attic. And <laughs> yeah. You think, don't go down. Don't don't open the door. Just leave it. Leave it alone. And I was like, oh, this this place looks quite scary. <laughs> and I'm like, don't go there. Just uh, you know, she she's going to have to do it. As
0: she says, she's going to master her fear. Um, so her and Yorick. Off on a journey, departing from the Egyptians to find this village where the alethiometer tells her that there's a ghost.
1: How did they find the village?
0: Following the alethiometer, because it like you could basically it's you could genuinely useful. use it a compass, as a if compass. You want, oh, right. oh, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, but
1: how did they know where it was?
0: Because it like it's probably not showing us the little interactions that she could be doing. Like that, like is this the right direction? It's like sat yeah Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, imagine if she... Like, they should have a scene where she reads it and the Aletheum just goes, bear left. <laughs> then... It's more like the bears
2: underneath. <laughs> I'm glad you went.
0: <laughs> they do get to the Arctic village.
1: And Yorick straight away says something is wrong here.
0: Yes. Uh, and it's all leading to this fishing hut on a lake. Something that is established in, in Northern Lights is that this this village looks just like deserted and in the show whilst in the book it is still populated but has been like people are scared mm. and they are like they meet someone who like has this like shares the fear mm. towards the fishing hut. so this is this is a place where people live does it have a name they genuinely like they are so terrified of this thing that's in the fishing hut that like that's why the town looks deserted
1: oh wow does the town have a name in the books? no it's
0: just Arctic Village Arctic Village Village. um and what is in that fishing hut is in a way if the show has established the relationship between people and demons correctly the most shocking
2: thing that you could shove it really disturbs me Mm -hmm. yeah for a show that goes out at 8pm, mm. just, you just don't expect this level of um, harrowing material.
0: <laughs> but again, see, it's worth reiterating. We don't live in a world where demons exist. <laughs> um, and so you really need to work hard so that if we see someone who does not have a demon, that you find that terrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Did that work for you though?
1: I think so, yeah. yeah.
2: It, it unquestionably for me, yeah. Uh, yeah. This was something that worked a, a treat. Yeah, I was really, and the way that young boy was at, was playing it was really good. <laughs> Very um, scary. It was effective, yeah.
0: Um, so that young boy is Billy Costa, Mark Mark Costa's son. Mm. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to pull the book reader card here. Uh, <laughs> in the, in the books, that's not Billy Costa. Oh, interesting. Um, that's. Tony Macario's, um, who was a character who did have a demon called Ratta. Um and so the roles of Billy Costa and Tony were kind of smashed together to make mm-hmm. a hybrid character. Right.
1: But his brother is called Tony um, in the, in the yeah, show. Tony yeah, Tony
0: Costa. That hybridisation of those two roles was also done in The Golden Compass, the film. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So, it's just like that well that worked at least one part worked <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, you do that again, again. Um, but now there is a there is a particular image in this scene which like this scene out of all of Northern Lights is perhaps the most memorable to me because of how shocking it is um, because Billy Costa in the show he's kind of asleep passed out when they enter the hut Tony Macarios, when they find him he is in the fishing hut, shaking, crying, clutching a dried fish, asking, like, as if it's his demon, talking to Ratter, mm-hmm. who's just an old piece of fish, trying to, like, get life out
2: of oh, it. God, oh, God, that's not nice at all. So it could have been a lot worse. I think yeah. that
1: could have been too much yeah. on screen.
0: So on the on the page, it is, like,
2: oh, God. harrowing stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I did wonder whether it would go that far and sleep it didn't well, I
1: actually I think I prefer how it was shown in the in the show it's more um. Yeah, the idea that he's a ghost mm. and that his soul has been taken so he's just a sort of empty vessel and you yeah. really get the sense
0: yeah it's just like there's not a full person,
1: like, like he doesn't yeah. respond. Mm. It's like yeah. the
2: Magisterium is go- uh, is going to do this to children. Yeah. It establishes the threat for the next two episodes mm. perfectly yeah. in that mm-hmm. like small moment. And you you get a lovely
0: bit of terrifying. Oh. Oh. well. Pan is so scared. He's Such so a sweet. cute his little, little sc- 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 Oh, his
1: little squeaks.
0: Um, <laughs> this is Arctic Fox Pan. I
1: is. think that's my favourite Pan, Arctic yeah. Fox Pan. Yeah.
2: Um, so I got scolded last week by my. Philip Pullman, loving girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Well, his dark she was loving girlfriend who, when I, uh, she was like, oh, I wonder what he's going to be, what he's going to be this time. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, he's not settled yet. Or, you know, Dean yeah. settled. She's like, this is the one thing you need to remember. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm sorry, yeah. I will, But I now, will. now
1: you'll remember it. Now I remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so that's what's found in the fishing hut. And, uh, Lyra takes Billy back to the Egyptians. Um, Anne Marie Duff doing really good work mm. as Mark Foster in a really actually lovely scene with her Tony, her other
2: son, and Billy in the moment that he dies. Yeah, so I, I mean, it it's just such a simple scene, mm. and it lasts for about a minute. But you and it, and it's kind of um, you know proceeded by right a bit when Lyra wants to go in there, and then Lee's like, no, let them have their family moment. Um, and yeah Anne-Marie Mark Oster Anne-Marie Duff's character just kind of gives her son permission to die in front mm. of her and he's like kind of like says it with such a, a brave face on um, and then when he when he does die it's really it's horrible
1: I'm not ashamed to say I did shed a tear did you shed a tear I did yeah. shed a tear yeah I was looking over at Jake thinking he must be crying because
0: he's, got, he's, he's been on this flight yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's going into this show defences <laughs> are low yeah yeah um, Maybe
1: you're just so dehydrated from being in the plane for yeah, so long. <laughs> that explains
0: it. Um, and that's followed by a really, really beautiful funeral um, where Billy is put on a pyre. Yeah, a um, ceremony. Mark Hoster lights it with a flint. Um, and really, again, extending that sense of community within the Egyptians. This is certainly parallel to that um, settling ceremony that we yeah. saw in episode one, which was a creation for the show. Uh-huh. Um, but as I said, I really think they're building um, that kinship between all of them, that in a way there is no strict binary lines of family between Mm. them, like any one of them has an as intense relationship to the other. And
1: am I right in thinking that as a group they're quite, they live quite close to nature. Yes. So they must see death in slightly a, a different way to maybe your eye. And it's more of a cycle of life and um, it's not necessarily an ending well, because Ma says you can go and be with, um,
0: be with Rata. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the spiritual relationship. Yeah. That, um, the Egyptians have with with the land and with life is really explored mm-hmm. a lot in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, what's quite rough during this funeral, as amazing as it is to watch, is the song mm-hmm. that's sung, um, which features the lyrics, "Dear son, your soul never leaves you." And I'm, I got from this that this was a regular funeral song that would have been sung for many Egyptians across time. But considering the reasoning behind Billy's death, is mm. particularly powerful. Absolutely.
2: Thinking, just thinking about it all, it's just so like horrible. The thought that Billy was like holding on, mm-hmm. just like having this, having his soul been removed, and he's just like trying to find. Yeah. Well, he Me. and saying what
0: he would have wandered for days. It's,
2: it's just, just a horrible thought.
0: Yeah. Um, and I, th- I thought the episode was going to end there the camera panned up yeah. to the sky and I thought that's it um, what a, a resonant note to end on mm. um, but we are of course teed up with a final few moments of drama um, which is a Samoyed invasion of the Egyptian camp which results in Lyra being taken and brought to Bolvangar the location of the child cutting Um and, again, another intense, bleak, uh, quite scary yeah. place. and so to end, end things, all. yeah. yeah. Um, so she is picked up, put in a horrible room that actually weirdly reminded me of the um, welcome room from The Good Place.
2: Oh, right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't think of that, but now I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's like this is,
0: this is literally the bad place. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> we've ha- we've had those quite horrible lines of dialogue throughout by like these mentions of child cutters and things like that which are hinting at everything that's happening um what they're doing to kids and we've got more sinister dialogue here um we see as she's dumped in the room pantalon form change and someone says ah she was young enough after all mm-hmm. and yes yeah, she was just on the verge of change so by the sinister it's yeah um Again, considering the kind of political, religious imagery that has been enveloping the magisterium and its presentation within the show, Mm. um, it is quite tough seeing that. It's not nice at all. No. Um, But there is a little bit of faith in there where Lyra, upon being asked her name, immediately says, Lizzie Brooks. (laughs)
2: Um, I mean, I I just could never spontaneously say another <laughs> name, yeah. As quickly as that,
0: but she, we've said that like she's she's super smart, mm. um, she's canny, and trickery has been a theme of this episode. Uh, Yorek reveals that he used to be king until he was tricked out of it. Mm. He later says that Lyra can never trick a bear, um, to which she replies that. Um, some parts of me is definitely there.
1: That was um, a really lovely scene when they're having their picnic.
2: Yeah, the he's, big he's big got big a dead deer and she's got
0: cardboard <laughs> uh, eggs. <laughs> yeah, Crappy <The> old Europe. <laughs> um, yeah, actually thinking of it, Boreal is tricking um, Elaine Parry as well. Mm-hmm. There's, like, there's a lot of um, yeah, a lot of trickery happening in this episode, and it ends with Lyra being told to strip off all her clothes. And a cupboard next to her is opened to reveal a boiler suit, which we recognise as the boiler suit that Billy Costa was in and died in.
2: Doesn't bode well. No. Yeah,
0: so overall
2: thoughts? (laughs) My overall thoughts is I'm excited to delve into this yet, this new location that we've been presented in. um, And the next time kind of suggested that that we will be doing that. So I'm excited for that. I'm not worried for Lyra. (laughs) but I'm worried for the people around my. Ranch,
1: worried so. for Roger. I'm just yeah. constantly worried
2: for rog, Yeah, really worried about Roger. Yeah, <laughs> you like spend a day. Yeah, like <laughs> <just, laughs> Roger.
1: Roger.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm curious about next week. Uh, I think yeah, we're going to get a lot about Ball Vanguard. Ball Vanguard is like the final boss location okay. of the series. Interesting. Um, I think you. We've had uh, everything in Oxford and London is establishing. I mentioned last week that Trollesund is like this uh, transitional space between the two big areas of the show. Um, and now we're going
2: to see a lot of ball It's and and, and and Mrs. Coulter seems to be in that location next week. Yes. yes. Well, which is... There's been a she, large... Um, absent. absent Marissa-shaped
1: hole in this episode.
2: <laughs> it's funny because I think the worry when you have someone like Ruth Wilson playing a role as well as she is, Mrs. Coulter, is that when she's not in an episode... Is she going to be missed? Yeah, I think you do feel it. I and didn't miss yeah. her. I did kind of at the end of it think, oh, no, there's no... I, I thought good
1: much. riddance for a, for a week. <laughs> I need a break from her. Maybe
2: you need that so then when she does come back and you
0: think, oh, yeah, I she about her. She's so evil. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, big jolly romp to look forward to next yeah, week. Yeah, sure. it seems it. Do
1: we know um, what next week's called?
0: Um, yes, next week's is called The Demon Cages. Oh,
1: dear. Oh, yeah. Well, it doesn't good. bode well, yeah. does it? <laughs> sound
2: fun, does it? No. no I absolutely. So, um, if... if Billy Costa is now dead. I'm assuming Ratta has gone as well. Yeah. Well, they
0: disappeared. They, they disappeared, they? right. Yeah.
2: Okay. Um, I was say that would be a tragic reference. Okay, so to find Ratta.
1: when the demon is separated, yeah. is there, there's pain? Yeah. Each oh. party feels pain?
0: Yeah, well, if, if you think we've seen Lyra mention when pantalimon has been walking too far away from yeah. her, that it genuinely hurts yeah. if your demon walks too far away from you. Yeah. Um. So that's that's the process that mm-hmm. they're experimenting with.
2: It's a real, like, having a, a demon is obviously great and everything, but it's just, like, double the chance of dying and getting hurt. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a shame. And also, that final scene is something that came to my mind while I was watching. It was um, Stranger Things vibes, mm-hmm. with the whole, like, experiments and children. Yeah, and yeah. 11. yeah. And then it yeah. made me think, Daphne Keane would have been so much better as Eleven than Minnie Bobby Brown. Did they? Hot wow. take, but I honestly think... That it. could have
1: really changed... Mm. Pop culture. It really
2: would, have, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. I think Daphne Keen is marvelous. She's yeah. so good. She is really good. Mini Bobby Brown for me, on the other hand.
1: That's a whole other podcast. That's a whole other podcast.
0: <laughs> well, we should move on to the most introspective part of the show, uh, Jacob. It's time to talk to you about your inner
2: demons. This is what I've been waiting for. <laughs> Right,
0: before we get on to that, Jacob, of course, we are on an investigation to try and figure out what Louie's is. I can't wait. Um, We've had a variety of uh, ideas, but are you any close to settling, Louie?
1: This week, it's been a busy week, I have to admit, <laughs> and I haven't given as much thought to it as I usually do.
0: Well, does that mean it's a, it could be a busy animal? No.
1: <laughs> I think because that just wouldn't suit me. Okay. But... Thinking on the spot it would I'd need to be something small enough that I can just hide it in my coat. Because the idea of it, the demon getting stolen from me or too far away is stressful. Maybe a slow loris because mm-hmm. you know they're nocturnal, which doesn't suit me because I like to go to bed really early. But they look very cute mm. but they have poisonous elbows. Right. So, you,
0: which yeah. you have as
1: well. Famously.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, yeah, if you if you give me a hug and get me in my elbows, <laughs> you'll <we laughs> know about <laughs> it. Skip. Yeah, a slow loris, I quite like the idea of. Okay. All right. I like
0: that. Um, uh, Jacob, unlike our other contributors who have been mulling this over for 15 20 years right yeah, yeah, yeah. you're coming at it a few weeks in <laughs> yeah and uh, have you had any idea what your demon might be I,
2: I have and it, it's quite an underwhelming one and it's <laughs> it's one that would probably get me captured if someone wanted to capture <laughs> me it, they would capture me very easily um, I think it would have to be you know I'd like to say something like you know very majestic and cool It'd probably just be a big old silly pooch, wouldn't it? Oh. Like a like a golden retriever. Yes, like, I can see
1: that. Yeah, did, yeah, I did, can yeah. see it. Yeah, I can and see it.
2: This has been corroborated by my girlfriend. She says you'd just be a dog, wouldn't you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah I, know, I thought that too. Yeah. You do so, have
1: that quite. It's like happy energy <laughs> yeah. about you. That's nice. Yeah. And
0: that's you did nice kind of spring it. into the house despite it being like a quiet Sunday afternoon. bring some energy to it. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Yeah. The golden retriever.
2: Yeah, we, we agreed.
0: That's yeah, I fine. Think so, Yeah.
1: I don't want to be a slow Loris anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we will change it up next week. I'm I'll sure. give it some
1: proper thought as well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, so that's it for this week. If you want to keep up with all of us on Twitter, you can do so. I'm there as at Jake H Cunningham. Uh, where I've still got some lovely bits and pieces from uh, the folks at Random House uh, to be giving away so make sure you're checking in there uh, Louis, people can keep up with you at
1: Louisa Maycock
0: and Jacob for your updates on Lost Podcast Watchmen Podcast yes. and lots of other bits God. where
2: people find you I'm on Jacob underscore Stoll and Lost Boys Podcast is Lost Boys Pod
0: lovely stuff
2: uh, well it's been another wonderful week exploring the worlds
0: of His Dark Materials with you all
1: on Dustbusters. Dustbusters is produced by Jake Cunningham. That's not me. Our music is by Dan Yakono and we are edited by Jamie Meisner.